Today's episode is sponsored by By Heart, which is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. In our house, we never skim on family time together on the weekends. Instead of racing around crazy, we prioritize time at home, time to relax, time to do fun, crazy things that we wouldn't have ordinarily. And you know who else doesn't skim? By heart. By heart is the only American-made infant formula with globally sourced ingredients to use organic, grass-fed whole milk without a drop of skim. Whole milk is full of healthy fats like naturally occurring MFGM, which play an important role in baby's brain development and growth. Are you curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with codename Zibby20 for a limited time. Hi, this is Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Katie Regan is the author of How to Find Your Way Home, a novel. Katie began her writing career as a reporter on local newspapers and then moved into writing features for the Glassies, becoming a features writer and then commissioning editor for Marie Claire magazine, where she also wrote the popular column And Then There Were Three, sort of about having a baby with her friend. Her first novel, One Thing Led to Another, was a fictionalized account of this experience and was published by HarperCollins in 2008. Alongside writing fiction, Katie still works as a freelance journalist and has written for most national newspapers and magazines, including Stella, Psychologies, The Daily Mail, The Times, and Grazia. She is also the author of two self-help books, Real Focus and Real Strength. She is a proud northerner from Morecambe, Lancashire, an area that figures in many of her novels and now lives in Hertfordshire with her son. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss how to find your way home, a novel. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Would you mind telling listeners a bit about what the book is about? And I'm particularly interested in the homelessness angle of it and how you so seemingly realistically portrayed the experience of being a homeless person mm-hmm. and what it's mm-hmm. like sort of reacclimating and all of that all of that stuff mm-hmm. yeah okay so um how to find your way home is i would call it a big emotional family drama and it's about a brother and a sister stephen and emily nelson and when we meet them in the present day they haven't they've been estranged for 17 years and we know that emily's been looking for her brother who she knows is is homeless and one day her sort of prayers are answered i guess and that he walks into the homelessness office where she works um finding flats for homeless people and their kind of lives recollide and and then they embark on a sort of birding trip a birding journey and we learn all about their childhood and the kind of reasons why they were sort of estranged in the first place, like the big event that happened in their childhood that sort of catapulted them apart. And the reason I made it a brother and sister was a lot to do with the the homelessness angle in that I was really interested in this idea that, you know, if you were a brother and sister brought up in the same family with the same circumstances, what would mean 
one of you ends up homeless on the streets and um and one of you doesn't one of you ends up sort of you know in a normal life I guess um she's quite Emily's quite sort of middle class she's got a nice apartment she's got a boyfriend a good job you know what what could have happened in your life to make that happen so that's where that came from I love the um, well I didn't love I mean I was equally horrified by the Burberry's sweater showdown oh yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes who says things like that right. there are always moments where you see the true character of someone yeah, yeah. <laughs> always in the small details isn't it, it, it it's in- one small detail about one character yeah, which, um, which was so perfect <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even realize of course but the birds obviously play a big theme and I didn't even notice the cover I didn't even notice the birds on the cover until sort of after. And I was like, oh, well, of course there are birds on the cover because they come up all the time and the binoculars and, you know, taking care of wounded birds and all of the things that happen along the way. Why birds? Why did you include all this aviary stuff? (laughs) Why indeed? I mean, I'm not a bird watcher at all and and never was. My my granddad was quite a bird watcher and my dad used to take us bird watching when when we were little um, because I come from quite a marshy area of England, which is similar to to Canvey Island in the book, although I come from the north and the Canvey Islands near London. Uh, so I, you know what? Well, I do know. So my father's, my son's father, his brother suffers from quite severe mental illness and, but he suffers from schizophrenia, but he's always loved bird watching, and it's always been a great source of joy for him you know resilience and it just really interested me why that was what it was about nature that kind of really helped him in his life and I and so I think that's where the initial sort of you know inspiration came from I wanted Stephen to be I wanted to show the resilience resilience of, of homeless people. I'd worked in a few homeless shelters and that's what, what really struck me. And I thought I wanted to give him something like a love of nature to kind of give him this, this power, this superpower almost. So that's where the bird watching came from and his kind of love of nature. And I had to research it all because I knew nothing about birds. <laughs> so, and then the more I researched about birds, the more I found like really magical kind of, beautiful things that I wanted to weave into the plot, you know, about the migration. Um, you know, the migration thing, you know, I was kind of really wowed by this, this fact that the the swifts in the book and and all migratory birds, you know, they fly thousands and thousands of miles, like they're the size of a crisp packet, and they fly thousands of miles every year to like sometimes the same branch to kind of breed. And I thought, God, that's like, that's resilience, all right, you know. And I sort of loved the idea that it was mirroring that and the fact that the Swifts in the book that Stephen's so kind of in love with, they represent sort of, they represent security and reliability to him in a, in, in a world and a childhood that hasn't got any of that, you know, because he can completely rely on these Swifts to come back exact, almost to the, well, to the day, every year to Canvey Island where he lives to nest every spring. And he looks forward to it. And whilst things are going on around him with his stepfather and so on, and, and you know, life's quite difficult for Stephen as, as a child, he's got these to rely on. So that was also a factor. So it was, it was kind of like, it was very organic how it came about. I didn't kind of go, I'm going to make it about birds and I'm going to make it fit. It was just like when I learned about migration and I learned about bird behavior, I just was blown away by it. And I wanted to somehow think about what they could teach us, you know, mm-hmm. I suppose, you know, and, and this idea that we're sharing the planet with, with something, you know, it's not just us here. And, you know, we're not the most important 
things on the planet. And yeah, and also because he's homeless, he's kind of superpowers that he's a he's a real observer of life. And I thought, what 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 could be more what could be more more show that than him being a, a bird watcher, you know, kind of he's he's used to observing and he observes from his place on the street as well. And he can see things that other people can't see about about life and human beings. And yeah, so it all kind of tied in. And wait, say again, so it's your husband's, so it's your stepson who is schizophrenic? Is that what you said? No, it's, um, so my son's dad, his brother. So my son's uncle. Your son's yeah. uncle. So yes. your, your brother-in-law or former brother-in-law or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah. We're not together anymore, but right. it's- Ex-brother-in-law. Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Just making sure I had it, mm-hmm. I had it straight. What was the experience of your ex's- like growing up with, I mean, I know schizophrenia usually shows up around age 18 and everything, but mm. not that mm-hmm. you can speak for him, but yeah, what, are there pieces of that relationship that particularly, I mean, one of my favorite books and movies is, you know, the Wally Lamb. I'm oh, like literally uh, losing my mind. I want to say yeah. she's come undone, but that's the wrong Wally no. Lamb. Yeah, that, I've read that. That's a no, it's one. the one with Mark Ruffalo and uh, it was pr- directed by Derek Sanfrance and my mind is like literally yeah, is. I, I need to I watch can... it. I love she's come undone. No, that was also good. Well, I'll think of it in two seconds or I'm going to look mm. it up. But anyway, it's the same thing where there there were twins and one of them was schizophrenic and the other was not. Okay. And and how that ended up evolving. Yeah. So I was just wondering yeah, yeah. anecdotally if you had. What sort of, with, with my ex. Yes. He doesn't have schizophrenia. I know this much is true. That's what it's called. Sorry. Yes. I know this much he is true. Have, he doesn't have schizophrenia, but he... As always, you know, being very close to his brother and and sort of, you know, looking after him, I guess, you know, caring for him. And he goes birdwatching with him and he's actually a photographer and he's done a big book called Big Brother, which is all about his relationship and a kind of photojournalism book, which is amazing. And all of this, I think, filtered into my head and became a sort of inspiration from the novel. It was all going on around the same time. Wow. Yeah. Well, tell me about your writing journey and like, so you grew up in this marshy part of England and then yeah, what happened? I grew up in the northwest of England. I always wrote stories, uh, but actually I was more into dancing when I was younger. I was more into performing arts and that was kind of the direction I was going to go in. But I was always, I think, in a in a kind of imaginative world. And I used to write my own books, very, very ripping off shamelessly things like Beatrix Potter stories. <laughs> and I used to do my own sort of rip-offs of that so I was always writing stories and and then I did follow the dancing thing for a while the the acting dancing thing but that didn't work out and I decided I went to dance like a residential dance college but that didn't work out and I decided that I wanted to come back and study and go to university which I did Um, I did French and English degree and I think it was at university really that I um I sort of discovered that maybe I could do this writing thing. I, I worked at the student newspaper as a features writer and I just really felt I could found my spiritual home. You know, the, the, um, I loved the vibe of it. I loved, I loved writing and I found out I could do it. Like a, a newspaper took an interest in a feature that I'd written. And I think that was my, my moment where I kind of went, oh, okay, maybe someone like me could make writing as a career. Cause I thought, you know, people from, you know, little towns in the northwest of England don't become writers. That's like a grand <laughs> thing to be But I think, you know, little things happened where I thought maybe 
I can do that. And then I was a journalist, I still am a journalist, for Marie Claire magazine and Glossy magazines. And then it kind of, I wrote a column and that turned into my first novel and then it went from there. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can't bubble wrap our kids to keep them safe, but we can give ourselves some peace of mind now with the Life360 app, which I am obsessed with. I first heard about this from a girlfriend at a party who told me that this was the app to use, so I got it, and now I am obsessed. It's a family connection and safety app that lets you track the people and things that are most important to you, and it's much more than sharing location. It is about safety. It keeps families connected and protected throughout the day. Plus, it helps you find your things. So I have tiles, one of which I put on my phone, which I lose a 100 times a day, and I can find it through the app whenever I lose it. Also, it lets me put in locations of interest. So I get alerts when my kids reach school after taking the bus or when my husband gets to LA or whoever you want to track. You can do it with Life360 and feel very protected and safe and it makes life better. It makes peace of mind better. Life 360 has my family's back when they're on the road, and I can track their stuff too if I need to. Plus, of course, it's a lifeline during emergencies because you can have crash detection to know if one of the kids is in an accident and with two almost driver's license kids, that is super important to me too. So put away the bubble wrap and protect your loved ones with Life 360. Visit life360.com or download the app today and use code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S, all caps, to get one month of the gold package for free, plus 15% off all tiles. That's life360.com, code BOOKS. What do you think is like the future of magazines? I know everything Uh, is moving so digital. Yeah, uh, well, I don't don't really think um, there there is uh, much (laughs) for for actual readable magazines. I love magazines. I still love magazines, but, you know, they've so many of them closed. Even Marie Claire here has folded um, and it's now only online. In fact, I don't know whether it's even online now. It's such a shame. And I feel so lucky that I worked for magazines in the literally the golden the golden era of the night of the late 90s early 2000s um in Soho in London and that was like a really exciting time to work in magazines that was that yeah the best time so it's really sad but and and so I don't know if it's the same in the states but here like a lot of the magazines have kind of merged so like you've got three magazines working on the same features desk like people writing features for like three different magazines so it's all got sort of smaller and the skeleton staff. And but I still I still write for magazines myself and um, I write for Yahoo and things like that. And so um, I still do bits of journalism. Love it. I know. I miss magazines. I feel like it's so yeah. hard to find. I mean, I understand the rationale. It'll just be digital. But then once things all just get digital, it's impossible to sort it all out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't sit yeah. here and think, okay, I'm in the mood to read a magazine online. Which one should I read? Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's Whereas true. if it comes yeah. in, on my desk, I'll flip through it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. There's something about holding it, isn't there? Yeah. And going through the pictures. And yeah, I, I'm with you. I, in fact, it never occurs to me to look at a magazine online, I have to say. I don't even read the news online. I mean, I, I listen to the news on my on my Echo Dot. <laughs> I just like go, play me the news. I want to, you know, so yeah, it's... It's really changing, isn't it? I read actual hard copy newspapers. Yes. I, yes. I read yeah. so much faster with a, an actual thing than a... Yeah. No, I do when I've got the time, but I quite like to sort of listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listening is good. 
We like listening to <laughs> this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so what are you working on now? Well, I have, I need to write a new book. <laughs> so I'm actually out of contract now. So I, I wrote the two books for Berkeley. So I'm working on a new book to sort of get the next deal. That's how it kind of works in books. Yep. You know, you get the deal or two book deal or three book deal if you're really lucky. So I am, so I've got an idea for that and I'm, I'm, I'm working on that and doing lots of other other sorts of writing, to be honest, as well, to kind of, you know, pay the mortgage and, um, well, pay the rent. So, but yeah, I'm really excited, actually. I'm really frustrated. I want to get more into my new book and sort of find the time for that because that's where my real satisfaction comes from. You know, I mean, journalism's great because it's fast and you write it and it's done and, you know, and, and you get paid and it's really, it's fast moving, but there's nothing like kind of, fixing a problem in a in a in a novel that's satis- so satisfying yes, yeah I love that mm. do you have anything great that you've read lately yes what have I read lately I read a book called small pleasures by Claire Chambers mm-hmm. which was an odd little book about a virgin a woman who believes that she's had a, a virgin pregnancy you know immaculate conception yeah. and that was it's I mean it came out quite a long time ago and I think it might have been I think it was shortlisted for the book or something but it yeah it's a really quirky little book I liked it a lot and I mean I read lots of things you know for kind of to 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 quote on them and and, you know people my peers books and things like that and I read a book called Attic Child by Lola J um which is a sort of it deals with some of the history of the sort of uh, black history it's set in um sort of late 1800s and it's it's about that period in black history and it's it's like a, a double timeline so some of it's set in the sort of 90s I think and some of it in the 1800s about two children who are both locked in an attic in different different reasons and that was it's brilliant it's brilliantly done I think it's her first epic sort of history but yeah watch out for that one it's it's fantastic really rich and so well researched and and other than that I'm I'm reading an Anne Tyler patchwork planner. I've never read that. I know it's a kind of classic, so I'm reading that at the moment. Um, so yeah, I've got really eclectic tastes. I'll kind of read like bits of, you know, women's commercial fiction and then I'll read some literary stuff and then I'll read a bit of nonfiction. Yeah. And sometimes I read things that are needed for research for my new novel. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Last question. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not for the faint-hearted. So, yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted. I think my one piece of advice, which is probably what everyone says, is just, like, actually write. You know, it's so easy to kind of, like, go, oh, I'm just going to buy another how-to-write book and I'm going to look at this, you know, that, that there's that podcast, isn't there, and, and thing, Story Grid, which is great, but I can get lost in that for days and, like, never write a word, <laughs> you know. It's all this stuff about you know, it's all kind of like plotting and description and breakdown and inciting incidents. And, you know, it's all the kind of maths of storytelling. Um, but if you're not careful, you can get really bogged down. So my, my tip would be sit down and try and actually do some words and then you can you read all that stuff. It's all helpful, but do some words. Also, at the moment, my tip would be, and, and other authors kind of disagree with this, 
but it's just where I am at the moment in my sort of novel writing is to um, have a framework before you start because otherwise it's just hell <laughs> in my experience. So have a, have a framework, you know, at least know the sort of vague middle, beginning and end. Don't just start something with a kind of idea of a theme that you want to write about because to be honest, how to find your way home, you know, I, st- I started it and I was like, I want to write something about um, a homeless man and I had the brother and sister relationship but that's about all I had Mm -hmm. and so I made it quite difficult for myself and it went through lots of drafts of trying to sort of to sort out the actual story so my main tip to myself was I'm never going to write a novel again where I don't know loosely at least what happens (laughs) okay great well Katie thank you so much thanks for spending the time I really enjoyed getting in into the relationship of these two siblings and Steven and I loved all their little nicknames for each other and just the intimacy and the idea of like a brother sort of rebounding and Mm. not to give anything away but you know spending Mm -hmm. time with people who you've not spent time with in such a a intimate way after so long and what it does to a family and how Mm. families can sort of come in and out and Mm. uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. I got really into it. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Hi.